A word to the wise, we are an explicit podcast tackling content with adult themes as well as entering spoiler territory if you aren't caught up with us. I, personally, don't know what would get spoiled, but um, this is beginning the conversation on the fourth book of the saga that includes the Red Rising trilogy. <laughs> um <laughs> So we're we're starting Iron Gold, which by many accounts is the start of a new trilogy, but it is still within the world. So I would recommend, because I don't know better otherwise, reading the first three books of the Red Rising Saga before getting into this with us. If you do that, you can listen along with us, because we just finished recording all three of those books. So without further ado, let's get into the show. there this is cross and i'm pj and we are words and whiskey a podcast for veteran and novice readers alike we tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking you should think of us as your drunk weekly book club and uh today right now this is the second episode of the night that we're recording i have a very congested sinus cavity so hopefully that doesn't come across too much in my vocal influence over the podcast um but i'm i'm drinking a stiff drink man in, in hopes of clearing <laughs> that out a little bit <laughs> we just finished our episode on breach of peace and we're rolling right into iron gold so as we mentioned today is our intro episode covering iron gold by pierce brown we're just going to talk some general thoughts we have moving into this series and kind of moving on from the first saga or the first trilogy into the second trilogy but before we do that, like you said, you've got a stiff drink in front of you. Let's talk about what we're uh, what we're drinking. Uh, I've got scotch. I've got some scotch in a glass and that's it. So I, I went with the Glenlivet 12, which I have I have three different Glenlivets in my uh, on my liquor cabinet right now. I didn't think that I would uh, effectively taste any of the any of the older ones. So I went with the 12, which uh, is very solid scotch. It's approachable. It is not super expensive. I think as far as scotches go, I would I would rightly say affordable, but good. I like it. Yeah. I mean, Glenlivet 12 is kind of the, in my head, the standard baseline for when you start to qualify into good scotches. It uh, It's almost, but not quite the Jameson of scotches. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I think totally. it lives in that same in that similar space. I think it's a little bit a little bit better than really bad scotches, as opposed to Jameson, which is maybe way better than bad Irishes. Oh, oh no, I'm going the other way around. In that mm. Jameson seems a little bit overpriced for what it is, whereas Glenlivet seems a little bit underpriced for how it. Sure, that tracks. Mm-hmm. I am also having scotch. I'm having uh, Balvenie Caribbean Cask 14 year, which PJ, as you know, is my favorite scotch. It is your this favorite is scotch. My favorite scotch. It's got a nice, like, warm, almost honey quality to it. So, it's- Caribbean Cask being aged on rum casks, essentially? Yes. Or is it? Yes, it's finished in a rum cask. Okay. Yep. Yes. I think it's the last year or two years or in rum casks. Gotcha which I don't yeah. know if I've had that one. I might have. You've 
definitely had it at some point. I've foisted it upon you for sure. Oh, we have this horrible habit. You, you might not we remember it. We have this it. terrible, terrible habit of breaking out good liquor and good beer and good wine. And good cigars. When, and good cigars. When none of us will appreciate it and half of us will remember doing it at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... Thank you for sharing your Belvany Caribbean cast 14 year with me. Fuck you. I don't remember. Yeah. that's. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a it's it's between depending on the state you live in. It's between 65 and 80 dollars. Uh, 75, 75. OK, I think uh, I think this Glen Livet was like 45, but it also included I want to say like they're 15 and they're 21 as like oh is like the little tiny things the little airplane airplane bottles Hmm. so it was like their their holiday pack or whatever interesting i saw one that was like a not quite it was larger than the like holiday bottles but it was like three seven fives and it was all three of them lined up interesting okay yeah that was that was an interesting thing a 750 of 12 and got it and then 50 milliliters at each of i want to say like 15 and 21 but I can't Got remember it. off the top of my head. Got it. Cool. So with that, let's get into kind of our thoughts and kind of predictions and whatever else is going to go on with this book. I think the first thing that we're going to do here is we're going to read the summary. We're going to switch back and forth as we read this, and then we're going to break it down afterwards and kind of talk about each of the components. And that's going to be a bulk of the episode. Yeah. So yeah, I think so. Should I bring out my Dred- Judge Dread voice again? No, <laughs> right. not this time. Okay. <laughs> Crossland, uh, you mentioned that there is some nasty spoilers that you should avoid in the like beginning of the book. Is is anybody at risk of stumbling across those? No, I was being way overcautious. Okay, okay. As I was, as I like copied this off of Goodreads, I was sitting here like, is this real serious spoiler for those who haven't read it? And I was like, no, you learn about a lot of this very quickly. Um within the first couple pages of the book so it doesn't feel like in the same way that the first summary of red rising gives you some background on a red this also gives you some background on a red okay so it's is, it's no is difference. this is it still true to not read the glossary yes do not read the glossary of either iron gold or dark age there are some mistakes that they're aware of uh, that I don't think are out of print or that they haven't corrected in the hardcover printings. I think in the soft cover printing of Dark Age, they fixed it and the soft cover of uh, of Iron Gold. But there's there's one or two particular notes that are actually just straight up wrong that can set up some incorrect expectations. OK, yeah, I think I think I got spoiled by the character glossary in Morningstar a little bit. Yes. Was it Antonia it was Victra. It was Victra. Yeah. Yes. You, it was you were, Victra. You thought Victra died because she got shot a couple of times, but well, she was in it, fact alive. It was, it was set up like she died, but oh, there Correct. she is, one of the first characters on this glossary of characters in the book. So there was that, but yeah, that got skip the glossary. pretty quickly. But yeah, skip the glossary. Anyway, here's the inside of the front of the dust cover, <sighs> read by PJ Heller. We're switching oh. back and forth. You're reading the bold. I know. Okay. I'll take one. <clears throat> a decade ago <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> we 
was hoping to jump straight into that. Fuck you. You started giggling, <laughs> so I started funny. giggling. <laughs> it was too funny. It's too good. A decade ago, Darrow was the hero of the revolution he believed would break the chains of the society. But the rising has shattered everything. Instead of a pe- or instead of peace and freedom, it has brought endless war. Now he must risk everything he has fought for on one last desperate mission. Darrow still believes he can save everyone, but can he save himself? And throughout the worlds, other destinies entwine with Darrow's to change his fate forever. A young red girl flees tragedy in a refugee camp and achieves for herself a new life she could never have imagined. An ex-soldier broken by grief is forced to steal the most valuable thing in the galaxy or pay his life. And Lysander Aulun, the heir in exile to the Sovereign, wanders the star with his, stars with his mentor, Cassius, haunted by the loss of the world that Darrow transformed and dreaming of what will rise from its ashes. Red Rising was the story of the end of one universe, and Iron Gold is the story of the creation of a new one. Witness the beginning of a stunning new saga of tragedy and triumph from masterly New York Times bestselling author Pierce Brown. Okay, so I I mean general thoughts, and then we'll dive into each of the individual chunks themselves. What what are you most excited for in this next trilogy? Even though there's only technically two books out right now. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think the most exciting thing from this, and I, I, I'm curious if it's because I'm already invested in the characters, is Lysander and Cassius. It, it's the one thing that's not vague in the description of what's going on, as opposed to Darrow, which, I mean, he's... No, he can't save himself. He can barely save other people. <laughs> <laughs> he still believes he can, though. Well, I mean, he's wrong. Dar- <laughs> Lysander and... Cassius. It's a compelling story and it it was set up in such a way that it really turns them into almost the like I, I'm almost likening them to the uh without seeing it, without knowing what's going on, whatever. Han and Chewie mm. sort of role of like Maverick, not necessarily exiled, but remote, take no shit from anybody, righteous people that are fighting for for Good, even though Han is technically fighting for coin, mm-hmm. strictly. I, I, I think I think it's uh, it's pretty well established that despite that tough exterior, he's kind of the he he has he has a set of morals that he actually follows, even though he claims not to. So that that sort of dynamic is what I'm expecting out of Cassius and Lysander, based on this setup. Yeah. Okay. Well, I as you've said. I think we should just maybe talk about each individual chunk and then we'll move through and and talk about anything else that's generally lingering for you. So mm-hmm. let's start off with Darrow. We've got Darrow. We know that a decade's passed. What do you think Darrow looks like believing that this rebellion was going to suddenly change everything and is suddenly faced with the fact that nope, it didn't, which is clear via the via the text. Well, he's a dad, so he clearly <laughs> has more of a paunch. He likes to wash his car and shine his shoes on Sundays. Generally a little bit more boring than he was in his 20s. That's what I'm that's my takeaway. <laughs> that's your takeaway from Darrow. <laughs> the endless war. Yeah, well, I mean, what what do you think yeah. they own in the solar system after 10 years? What do you think they control? Uh, that's a good question. I think Mars. I think they probably control most of Mars. And um I would 
my guess is that they control Mars and they are diplomatically at a tentative peace with basically everybody else in the in the solar system. Um, they have stopped trying to move forward in any sort of conquering way, but have created some peace treaties and maybe some safeguards to make sure that they are protected as well. So that's, the only that's thing I'm going to give here that's, quote, spoilery, quote, is that Darrow's really Mustang's replacement government or realm is called the Republic versus the society. So that'll be one change that's established fairly or very early on. But just to give you something to point to. OK, the Republic. That makes sense. And I think that even falls into line with uh, with my prediction a little bit in that essentially, potentially, there's maybe a sort of EU kind of deal, like a, a conglomeration of nations or planets, as it were, that meet on a regular basis and help govern the solar system as a whole while maintaining dominion over their own planets sure so any other thoughts for darrow you said that he was a dad did you want to think about pax at all well he's 10 so he's like 11 actually or almost 12 and that's different well a little bit (laughs) i guess i think 10 to 12 is is pretty significant lysander was seven to nine not really yeah right yeah there will be a child fathered by severo who's in the same age range and they're the little tykes are friends together. I don't know. Okay. I think that sets up a nice um, first class of whatever uh, replaces the Institute and the Academy. Sure, sure. But that might be down the line. That might be several series in the future. I think Darrow spends a lot less time with his uh, with it, with the Howlers and with the Sons of Ares in general. I think he's probably taken on a lot more of a symbolic role in those movements and um, assists Mustang in in leading, but primarily is the caretaker for Pax and uh, is lead, leading from a distance in, in the capacities that he still holds, if any. I think he he's he's held on to fatherhood as such a pinnacle goal for him and and something that he felt robbed of for such a long time that I don't think he'll do much to squander that opportunity to be a father. Okay. What about do do you think you you kind of alluded to this, but do you think the Sons of Aries still exist now that the society has been formed? Um the yes. Republic, excuse me, the Republic. I think they still exist maybe in in a less militaristic fashion, probably more in an official capacity within the Republic, but maybe as a humanitarian charity group, maybe some, I don't know, I don't know the right way to describe it, but less, less offensive. Maybe, maybe they are folded into the military in some respects. Maybe they're, they're broken up and are involved in protection and defense and charity and humanitarian efforts around Mars. And maybe they're just, um, symbolic. Okay existing symbolically uh without any actual members or any actual like power over anything but i I think they still have a footprint okay cool anything else on darrow do we know if he's ever had facial hair (laughs) um i don't know actually i think he's experimenting with it a little bit (laughs) okay 
Dig it. Dig it. He's in his 30s. May as well play around. Yeah. I mean. 36. You know, he's. Went on Mars. Yeah. Okay. Do as the Martians do. (laughs) Okay. Uh I'm not sure that's how it works. (laughs) Um, That's that's all, though, for Darrow. Yeah, that's all for Darrow for now. All right. I'm going on nothing, man. Like, I'm going on. No, you're going on. You're entirely going on nothing, and that's okay. I'm not, I'm not looking for anything crazy. We're just talking about it. So, uh, We'll move on to the next one. A young red girl flees tragedy in her refugee camp and achieves for herself a new life she could have never imagined. So this is set up in a way that makes it sound a little bit whimsical and a little bit positive. I think it's going to be more tragic than that. I think it's going to lean into the tragedy part. And I think potentially it's going to be something I'm assuming she was in maybe uh, Tinos or something similar. And was in in the situation where the lights before the lights were on perpetually because people were getting raped and murdered and just brutalized all the time. That's what what caused Severo and Dancer to turn the lights on all the time. My my prediction is that she was in there before that happened and something Mm. just fucking horrible happened. And she holds resentment towards the Sons of Ares and Darrow and the Howlers in general. And uh, she's going to be a negative force, an antagonistic force against all of our heroes of the previous book. Okay. Interesting. Like it. Any other thoughts on the the red girl? No. (laughs) No. Cool. I mean, like like I said, this is going to be pretty straightforward, so I'm not going to try to dig in that much. An ex-soldier, broken by grief, is forced to steal the most valuable thing in the galaxy, or pay with his life. Thoughts uh, there? Ephraim. Yeah. We didn't get enough of any sort of uh, payoff with him. He didn't die, right? No, he's he's very much alive. He's very much alive. He was a soldier at one point, and then joined the Sons of Ares. Um, the most valuable thing in the galaxy, though. I think there's something cryptic about that. It's not going to be monetary. I'm curious what that's going to be. But I think that ex-soldier is Ephraim, and that's the only guess I have right now okay. on that chunk, on that one okay. sentence. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to, like, make anything off of anything except for, like, the intro and the outro here with uh, Lysander and whatnot. So, yeah. And I, I've already kind of gone through what I, what I think as far as Lysander and Cassius go. I think they'll probably have spent a good several years after the end of the first book before anybody heard from him um just kind of going from outer outer reach planets just kind of learning and living and being free i think i i think it it probably be a, a couple years before they decide to come back into the fold of the main planets of uh the, now the republic as we know i i get a weird just a random thought i get a weird um like lion king simba vibe from this description do you do you under do you, do you kind of see what i'm hmm. stinking uh like simba leaving the nest and then coming back and yeah i could see that i could get behind that i'm not sure though yeah no it, it was just something from this description in particular that made me go like are we, are we painting lysander as simba for some reason i don't know i mean yeah, he's a loon, not a i don't know augustus but okay any other thoughts there um well if that's the case wouldn't that make uh darrow and the howlers water buffalo <laughs> i mean or scar but yeah um the d- depending on how you look at it yeah but 
Yeah. I guess it depends on how you look at it. You're right. <laughs> right, right. It could I just think. be the tragedy of the water buffalo, the mass of people running over the the thing that needed to be fixed. Yeah. No, it's that's interesting. I just for mm-hmm. whatever reason it evoked that this time and that has nothing to do textually. It's just that sentence. For some reason, I was just like, Oh yeah, kinda like I just imagined uh Simba plus like if Lysander is Simba uh and and cassius is like some weird combo of timon and pumbaa who were previously a part of the you know menage a trois with uh mufasa and whatnot yes yes i'm 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 into it all right all right cool any other thoughts on uh on the lysander cassius thing uh not at the moment all right so we've got to summarize your feelings um as it comes to darrow he's kind of semi-retired leaning into being a dad yep not not necessarily retired but he has shifted his positions in a way that uh he he is more of a figurehead and more of a remote tactician in anything that he does i i think he he operates from his home wherever that might be in such a way that he doesn't have to leave Pax alone. Sure. Okay. The red girl, our red girl here, is being set up as an antagonist through her resentment towards society that has turned her from a slave into a refugee. Yep. Okay. Yep. Ephraim is uh, broken by grief and is going to steal something from the galaxy. That's what you're predicting? Yes. Which is uh, the most valuable thing in the galaxy if you're if you're talking about power all of the extra nukes all of the nukes all of the nukes. i think ephraim takes control of all of the nukes fair okay <laughs> no <laughs> interesting <laughs> I, it's not easy i mean we've seen people do it but it's not easy and uh lysander slash cassius here are going to be a roaming pair they're playing cowboy of, uh, a little bit yeah yeah they're space cowboys. Right. The only thing I'd say is based on the last paragraph, this is something that Pierce Brown has talked about, but setting kind of the expectation to some degree. The original trilogy is is really about upending a problematic society, and the sequel trilogy is about, well, it wasn't as easy as I thought it was to actually create something perfect. Like, it wasn't... The, the dream was not so easy to achieve. And that's sort of the base theme that's established within a page of the of the sequel trilogy so yeah just kind of give that as as groundwork it feels pretty clear based on this but mm-hmm. it's um it's very clearly about the the sort of downfall of the backside of what a rebellion looks like that actually takes over what does what does the actual recovery look like like hey uh you won what now right right that's exactly exactly where this comes off so any other questions? Any other thoughts that you have going into the the uh, sequel trilogy now with a very other limited piece of information that you have? Anything else? So I, I guess my other thought is uh, kind of addressing something that we did last time in this situation, which was the Deadpool. And I think we're in a position where it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do that right now. And I think um, I we haven't discussed it explicitly you and i crossland but i I think it would make more sense to do do it week by week in a a little bit less explicit way as a deadpool kind of fold them into the weekly predictions yes if 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 it kind of lends itself to a little bit of knowing that maybe death is on the table in the next episode 
but we yeah like we, you could pose it as a bet and then we we take the bet and then yeah. we hold that bet forward and something Whatever like that it pays off it pays off yeah. but we it it was just so much so much payoff in the last chunk of last book that uh i think it makes as much fun as that episode was i think it makes more sense to uh chop it up a little yeah yeah i definitely agree i definitely agree as we look at kind of both iron gold and dark age and book six we'll figure figure out the best way to approach i have an idea yeah number of deaths per like per chapter not per chapter but per chunk if you just make me guess over under a certain number as a prediction that could be kind of fun yeah um that might be tough though that that'd be a lot of work for you to 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 well like prepare it's 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 not hard it's not hard to track or prepare the hard part the harder part is we bounce between point of views now and that can be very that that can be very different if it were singularly one perspective i think i'd feel more confident in that but the other part of this is where we are going to be moving between perspectives and perhaps on multiple cliffhangers for perspectives for weeks on end um (laughs) i hadn't even fucking considered that (laughs) shit oh god Um, yeah you might be waiting like two weeks for an answer to a question you had um at at times so oh no all right well (laughs) never mind we'll come up with a plan as far as a a spiritual successor to the deadpool goes yes yes the the regular predictions will continue to pay off as previous but we'll try to figure out something that's deadpool adjacent um because that was fun it was a lot of fun it was just not so much fun having 18 to resolve (laughs) on the final episode true for sure it it worked out and you uh you made some i was just i was just listening to this episode today by the way the the final episode the actual story like the final chapters of morningstar and uh i forgot how fucking funny your drinks were yeah they were outrageously bad they were so bad <laughs> just because you, you you fucked up man i i really fucked up on the front end it was uh it was a whole thing mm-hmm. so we said anything else what are you most excited about jumping into this though like what's what are you most excited to see in this sequel trilogy i'm excited to see the space cowboys of of lysander and cassius and see where it goes from there it seems like i mean in like i mentioned before that's those are the people i'm familiar with and it was set up in such a way that we know they rode off together and it's it's introduced in a way that we know they continue to ride together so that that's the the duo that we have the most information on so naturally i feel like i'm i'm most drawn to seeing where that went interesting and where it's going any other thoughts anything else you want to say cap off the summary part i'm excited to be here this is it's it's a seemingly fresh start in that it it, we're not jumping in after a cliffhanger and like i'm i'm clamoring to start this book because i need to know how this resolves it feels fresh and new and i'm i'm excited i'm very excited It, it feels different than than the previous book beginnings have been cool Well, that's very exciting, and I think that's a great point to talk about what we're going to be reading next week. Next week, we will be reading through Chapter 7. That's all of the prologue chapters and up until Chapter 8. So you're going to read all the way through Chapter 7. Once you see 8, stop. 
stop motherfucker stop it's going to be interesting because of course they're now going to be perspectives underneath the numbers so you'll see a name you'll know which character you're inside of and then you'll move down the text so it's going to be that is how reading works well all that i'm saying pj (laughs) is we've been trapped in darrow's pov for a long fucking time yeah we have and uh, when 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 did we first record our first episode of red rising technically the beginning of september i think we released in october it was it was the second week of september i feel like okay yeah uh, we released the first week of october yeah so it's been over half a year of us trapped in a single point of view oh well over that yeah yep i am uh yeah. i'm excited to see where this goes cool all right so that's where we'll, we'll leave you for this week. Continue to refer us to your friends and family, anyone who might like what we do here. We are the Drunk Weekly Book Club. Uh, we, we piece it this out. We enjoy talking about themes and motifs and whatnot. Recommend us to people who you might think might like us. We we absolutely love that. On the on your platform of choice, of course, leave us a review. Five star review goes a long way to referring us to other people, other podcasts, other things that occupy the space in nature. It's really, really important to our growth. So if you can, please do. Otherwise, interact with us on our website, wordsandwhiskey.show, our email account, wordsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com, or any of our social medias, words and whiskey pod. Words whiskey pod, not words and whiskey pod. Words whiskey pod. At that point, you'll be able to talk with us. We respond very actively to any and every message that we get, and we're very excited whenever we get them. We will be very soon featuring questions and feedback and other things like that for PJ going into this. So I hope to be able to pose questions back to the audience and then receive answers to discuss around PJ's thoughts on the chapters and or otherwise your favorite parts of the book, your different components of favorite characters, things like that. Questions we post to you that we want to hear answers from. So thank you so much for sticking with us for for all of this, we've got another two books to tackle within Red Rising, and we're so excited. 